Our campus community is blessed with so many amazing people who embody BYU-Idaho's mission to develop disciples of Jesus Christ, who are leaders in their homes, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and in their communities. We want to introduce you to some of them and let you hear their stories. This is the BYU-Idaho Disciple Journeys Podcast. I'm Isabella Salazar. My interview today is with Chase Rockwood, and this is Chase's Journey. Joining me in the studio is Brother Chase Rockwood. He is a BYU-Idaho alumnus, and he taught seminary for 10 years and now is a religion professor. So first, Brother Rockwood, can you tell me what led you to pursue a career in religious education? Yeah, great question. I grew up in the Seattle area where early morning seminary was all we had. You know, there wasn't release time. We didn't have paid professional teachers. It was a calling. And for most people in the church, I think that's the experience, right? Unless you're yeah. living in the Utah, you know, Idaho, Arizona areas. So I didn't realize that religious education was even an option. So when I came to BYUI, I uh, started studying um I wanted to become like a ESPN reporter. Um, that was kind of my dream job, just to sit next to LeBron James and and ask about the game. And I was in a class here, and we had a broadcaster come, and I asked about um, sports broadcasting, and and he uh, he said, you know, nowadays you either have to be a pro- former professional athlete or a really good-looking woman to get a job in that field. And I was like, well, oh, that's not me. You know, Neither of those are me. So I got to look for other options. And I was in a religion course um, with, uh, with Brother Huff, who's still here on campus. And um, I, I really loved his classes, so I ended up taking um, a couple of different religion courses from him. And after a class one day, he pulled me aside and asked if I had ever considered religious education. And again, at that point, I hadn't really known much about it. And uh, I was like, not really. And he's like, well, I think you should look into it. I was like, okay. Um, So I talked to my wife a little bit. Um, She grew up in Idaho Falls, so she had release time seminary. She loved her seminary teachers. And uh, she's like, oh, you'd you'd be so good at this. Let's let's look into it. So went to a meeting and and got kind of more familiar with it and took the class and started student teaching. And and, uh, long story short, I ended up teaching seminary for 10 years, and it was absolutely incredible. It was more than I could have ever hoped for and uh, an incredible career and one that prepared me to eventually come back here. Yeah, that's really cool. Did you ever ask that professor what like inspired him to bring that up? You know, I, I actually don't know if I've asked him that question, but I have talked to him since I've been back because um, he's still here. He just got back from being a mission president. And uh, and I just was I just reminded him, I was like, I don't know if you remember me, but the reason I'm here is because of you. And uh, but I, I should go ask him that question because I, I, I wonder if he even thought twice about it or if it was just a little thing that he didn't know was going to change the rest of my life. <laughs> yeah. Wow. That's cool to see just the influence that that teachers can have. Oh, totally. And, and I, like, like I said, maybe it was inspiration. I'd like to think it was because of the impact it had on me and, and my life over the last 10 years. Um, but, uh, but yeah, either way, I, I feel like he was in tune to, to just kind of give me that nudge. Yeah, yeah. That's really cool. So what made you want to switch from teaching seminary in Idaho Falls to teaching religion here at BYU-Idaho? So a couple things. Um, I absolutely love teaching seminary. I loved all the things that seminary offers, being able to teach the same kids, you know, year after year after year, getting to know their siblings and getting in touch with their parents and going and seeing them play football and, and all those types of things. I loved that aspect of it, but it was always my goal to go back to BYU-Idaho. 
I just I had such an incredible experience here, and like I mentioned, I was so influenced by my professors that I wanted to to have that opportunity at some point in my life. So, um, you know, I think if I remember right, the application process when when it was sent out um, said you had to have 10 years of seminary teaching experience. And so I thought, well, as soon as I hit 10 years, I'm just going to apply as often as I can to, to get back. And and it worked out this time. So um, I just it's just always been a dream to come back and uh, to, to be on this campus. It just had such a profound inf- impact on my life that I've just been itching to get back. Yeah, that's cool. Was there an experience in particular that you had as a student here that kind of solidified that goal? Uh yeah, a lot. Um, so many things. Well, obviously, the one with Brother Huff. Um, I I was really involved on campus, too. I, my wife and I decided that we wanted to kind of be all in while we were here, and we got involved in um, the activities programs, and I helped lead um, different activities um, while I was here on campus and getting involved in the inter- intramural sports programs and things like that. Um, and so just my my growth here was so deep and so so big that I just um, I, I don't know I just kind of craved that after leaving to keep having that experience and so um, but but another, I, I don't know I met my, met my wife here and um, which was obviously uh, changed my life and and I don't know you know how would we have met had not having not been here and so there's just and I, I guess I could keep going but those those stick out to me as reasons why I just wanted to come back I just I don't know. I just I I felt like I became more of a disciple of Jesus Christ here than I had before too, which is kind of the purpose of this university, right? Um, I was a returned missionary. I didn't go to school before my mission, and so you know I was kind of riding that mission high and that that um, that closeness to the Savior. And my experience here just increased that more than I I think even expected. I felt like I was kind of spiritually at my peak as a missionary, like many of us do, and uh, and I was. I was very mistaken. <laughs> I wow. was humbled at how much more growth I could achieve here um, as I continued to serve and use all those lessons from my mission to um, just better my life and better the life of other people. Wow, that's really encouraging. Yeah. I think that a lot of missionaries kind of they're scared to come home because they don't want to lose that, right. but you've been, you were able to grow that. So right, that's really right. cool. Well, it's funny too, because I've talked to some of my students that I have now that they kind of have that post-mission blues, you know, where I had this, such the, these, you know, impactful spiritual experiences as a missionary. And I'm coming here and it's all about myself. I have to figure out what I'm going to study and what I'm going to eat and, you know, who I'm going to date and, and making money and, and all those things that you don't have to worry about as a missionary. And sometimes that can kind of cause you to be like, oh, I just wish I was back on the mission. Um, but I would suggest that uh, your discipleship and your opportunities to love and to serve and do all those things that you loved as a missionary can be can be grown here um, and and especially as you date and get, even get married like your opportunities to use those missionary skills are just um, they're all in front of you and so I would just suggest people that are feeling that post mission blues to just do the things you did as a missionary here look for chances to serve, look for chances to lead, look for chances to to think outside yourself um, as selfish as it it can be, you know, this stage of life can be as a student. So mm-hmm. that's great advice. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I, I know that something that you are also passionate about is um, freshman retention. Yes. And keeping those students here until they graduate. Right. Can you t- 
talk a bit about that? Of course, yeah. And, and some of our trainings, as I've been hired over the summer, um, that was uh, something that they touched on, that the f- freshman retention rate is pretty low. Um, that that's freshmen after their first or second semesters, a lot of times will go home and sometimes not come back. Come back. Um, but they've shown, and they showed some statistics, that those who come back um, have a much more fulfilling experience as they go into their you know, their programs and degrees and, and focus more on the things that they love and want to learn more about. Um, so I would just, I don't know, I just, I feel very passionate about freshmen that they just need to stick it out. And they just, it's just like, it's like the first couple months of your mission, you know, it's just so different. And so um, it can be lonely and scary and unknown. Um, but as we, you know, exercise our faith in the Savior, this is a place where you will come closer to him. And so if we can just stick out and, and lean on him, to help us through those first couple of months. And um, then, then there's so much more that this university can offer as we, as we stay. And you see that as you stay, you know, after that loneliness, can you overcome that or um, the, the unknown or being on your own and not having parents? Once we kind of figure that part of life out, then, then BYU just opens up to you, BYU-Idaho and, uh, and the opportunities. So it's just, it's so sad to think that, that people are cutting their experience short um, based on maybe a couple of rough months, um, I would say don't don't give up. <laughs> Keep going. There's too much that the Savior has in store for you here uh, to to cut that short. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think there's there's so many resources here that it's hard to know what they all are, especially right. within your first semester or two. Yes, exactly. And so f- do what you got to do, like go get a mentor or um, go to the activities area or, or follow all the BYUI social media accounts and find out what's going on. I mean, there's something going on every night. And, and so these freshmen that come and are feeling lonely and just in their apartment, I just think, man, there's so much out there. Um, you just gotta, you just gotta go for it though. Um, which is scary and, and hard. Um, but, uh, but you know, that's, that's where the savior can really bless us when we go outside our comfort zone a little bit. And, uh, and he can he can put experiences and people in our path that will that will change our lives. Yeah, I love that. Thank you. So, as a professor here, how do you engage with students in the classroom? How do you get them to participate? That's a great question, and that's I think probably the, always the hardest part of teaching, whether you're teaching kindergartners or college age, is just um, making it engaging, exciting, and um, a place where they can come and feel like they can learn and participate. So I think something that, um, you know, President Eyring has has taught seminary teachers. There, we have a, a manual that we use where he talks a lot about good and engaging questions. And so something that I've tried to focus on in my teaching over the years and trying to refine and, and get better at is just asking good questions um, that cause people to think. And especially at a college level, that's one of the things I love about teaching here is that the majority of my students are ready to learn and they just come prepared and they've done the readings and, and they're hungry. And so... Um, you know, if I can just figure out a couple of good questions that think, can get them to think and, and, and discuss, um, then we always have a, just a really cool, rich experience. And, you know, I, I think it can be dangerous sometimes as a teacher to, to think that our main job is just to, I don't know, maybe expound on things that they haven't thought of before, teach some new view of the gospel. And, but ultimately, the, the basics are where the power is. You know, as we, as we center on the basics of the gospel of Jesus Christ, faith, repentance, ordinances, covenants, the Savior, His atonement, um, you know, there's, there's, so much, there's, there's so much richness there and that we kind of t- tend to skip over um, in the hopes of learning more about something that's deeper 
Um, but the Spirit will testify of truth, and especially those basic truths. And so the, I, I just try to center my questions and my teachings around those because I feel like that's where the most power is found. And I don't know. I think that's something that's been helpful to, to getting our classes to be more engaging and enjoyable. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Um, we were talking a bit about how, you know, students here are at an age where, you know, it's a lot of things are new, you mm -hmm. know, they left the house and they're forging their own lives now. Um, so, you know, I think these are really formative years for a lot of us. Um, so how do you help students who might have faith struggles? I would say join the club. <laughs> you know, I think we oftentimes feel like when we are struggling or doubting that we are alone. And Satan's so good about doing that. He's so good about isolating us and making us feel like we're the only ones. And I, one of my favorite scriptures is in 1 Corinthians 13 that talks about, I think it's 13, somebody might have to fact check that later, <laughs> um, where it says, um, There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. And I think that's interesting that, that the temptations and the, the things that we deal with, the doubts, the struggles, the questions, they're common. They're not unique. And uh, so, again, if, if you have those struggles and those, those issues, what better place to come figure out your, that, you know, and, and, and deal with that wrestle than, than a place like BYU-Idaho? Um, you know, if you have, uh, you know, faith questions or, or struggles, this is the best place for you to be. Um, some people might think that that makes it feel like they don't belong here, right? That I'm, I don't have it all figured out, or I, I doubt my my faith in, in Joseph Smith or the Book of Mormon or the church in general. And and what better place to come and bring those those doubts and those fears and those questions uh, at a place that is faith filled and centered on on the Savior, um, which as we know, if we look unto Him, and every thought will doubt not and fear not. And to come to a place that is centered on him, it's impossible not to look to him here. And so those doubts and those fears are real and they matter. And, um, and you know, it's, it's a part of your faith journey. And so rather than diminish it or make you feel ostracized because of it, um, bring those questions, bring those, those, those wrestles, and um, let's see how the Lord can help you. Um, yeah, I would just say join the club. We're all, yeah. we're all in this. And, and, and uh yeah. What, 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 what better place to be with mm -hmm. those types, types of issues than, than here? Yeah, I think that's good to keep in mind that we all have questions. We all have struggles, you yeah. know, and, and we can use that to strengthen each other. I totally. Think. Well, and I think, too, like if you were to bring up some of those things like in a class, um, how, how comforting would that be for someone else who's going through similar things to see that they're not the only one? And what better place to bring it up than in a class filled with faith? And faithful students who have a desire to build each other and to, rather than continue seeds of doubt, which we would get online, right? I mean, if you, you, you can take your questions and your doubts to Instagram and you'll find many people who have similar, th you know, um, questions or concerns and they'll give you their opinion. But you can come here and get the opinion of people who care about you and who love you and who have faith and who have a desire to build you. Um, that's, that's the perfect place to bring these things up. So... You know, Satan, another thing that he's good at is getting us to be quiet, right? You think about um, uh, Joseph Smith in the Sacred Grove. Um, he goes there, he goes to pray out loud for the first time. And what does Satan do? He binds his tongue so he can't speak. Um, because as soon as he speaks, as soon as he's able to call for help, he has his, his vision. Mm -hmm. So I think Satan's really good about making us stay quiet and not talk. And this could be about 
issues with depression, it could be addiction issues, it could be uh, testimony issues, whatever. He's so good about convincing us to not talk about it. And uh, I, I, again, what better place to bring these things up than a place like BYU-Idaho? So if you're here and you have these issues, bring them up. Talk, open your mouth, talk to a professor. Um, in fact, that's one of my favorite things about being a professor is that we are supposed to not just be teachers, but be mentors. And I love it when a student will come to me after class or come to my office and say, hey, I, I got this going on. Like that's that's one of our roles too, you know, is to just be there and to be a help, um, not to, to shame or to judge, but to just listen and guide and, and mentor um, to people to the Savior, so. Yeah, I love that. And I love that you said that, you know, Satan tries to keep us quiet. I hadn't really thought of that before, but I think, yeah, when we don't bring things into the light, that's when they become like a real problem. Right, right. Well, and, and Nephi teaches, right, that that Satan desires that men will be miserable like un, like he is. And when we keep things to ourselves, whether it's sin, whether it's doubts, whether it's mental health issues, we are miserable, right? And we all know that. We've all done it. We've, we've all given into that temptation to keep things to ourselves, and it makes us miserable. And, and that's, that's his bread and butter. So open your mouth. Pull a Joseph Smith and open your mouth and call for help and see what kind of first vision experience could be waiting for you, right? I love that. Thank you. Yeah. Um, is, is there any, like, t- main takeaway that you want your students to walk away with? Sure. Um, I, I would say to remember the purpose of this university, and the purpose is to help you to become a disciple of Christ. And if if that's not happening, um, then then something needs to be remedied, right? Something has to be figured out, um, whether it's an attitude adjustment, <laughs> whether it's some repentance, whether it's switching classes. Um, but the whole purpose of this university, regardless of your major, regardless of your background, is that you will leave here being more con- converted to the Savior and his gospel. And, uh, and so do whatever it takes to, to make that happen. I have a student, for example, who she goes to the temple every day. <laughs> which I think is a really cool goal. She just makes it, she acts like it's her third class of the day. She has two classes um, each day and she just makes it her third class. And she's like, my third class is the temple. And she goes to it every day after her second one. And and she's, she just sets aside it. She's like, it's a two hour class that I have and it's every day. And she goes, and I, I was so inspired by that. Um, I have another student who um, at times has to work on Sundays and she's decided while she's been here that she wants to, um, any money that she makes on the Sundays that she's asked to work, she's going to donate that to her in her fast offerings, all that wow. money. Like I'm so inspired by some of the people here and what they are doing to become more stronger and better disciples of the Savior. And so these kinds of, these are the people that we're going to school with, right? These are the people that are sitting next to you in your classes that are doing these types of things. And so um, look around. Look at what people are doing. Ask them what they're doing. If you don't feel like discipleship and closeness to the Savior is happening to you while you're here, then look around and see what other people are doing and take advantage of just the literally thousands of examples um, all around us of people doing it and succeeding and follow their lead. So that's what I would, I would say. Just uh, look at God put us all here on purpose together. There's, there's, there's strength in this unity. There's strength in the, you know, thousands of people striving to be like the Savior at the same time and being here. So, so don't leave without being closer to Christ. And if you feel like that's 
that's the trajectory you're on, then like I said, look around. I love that. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. Um, my last question for you is, how has your experience at BYU-Idaho helped you draw closer to Christ? And that can be from your time as a student or now as a professor? Yeah, I'll just talk about now. As a student, it happened all the time, but I'll focus specifically on on now just because it's fresh. But I am surrounded, one, by students, like I just mentioned, like all those stories I just shared are were so inspiring to me and made me think like, what am I, you know, what what do I have to offer? What am I, what could I tell them that I'm doing that's um, bringing me closer to the Savior? And so it's inspired me to make better choices in that regard. Um, it's it's blessed my family. It's blessed my, my marriage. Um, I go home and I, my wife and I just get to sit and chat about all the things I learned that day and the, the inspiring students that I've been around and the questions that they've asked. And, and I just, so my wife and I get to just sit and chat about it every night. And it's just, it's our relationship has strengthened because of that too. Um, the people I get to work with are, are phenomenal. They're the best of the best. And, and that's a, that's a huge part of what inspires me to be more like the savior too, is, is I see Christ-like men and women, um, that are, that are just having joyous experience. They're just, they just feel happy. Like the meetings I get to go to, like they're not even meetings. We just get to sing hymns and everybody sings so loud and <laughs> they're so excited to be there and, and share their insights and, and their, their testimonies. And I just think like, like, this is, this is my job. Like, this is what I get to do for a living. This is how I provide for my family. And I feel just humbled and, and blessed to have such an experience. Um, like the students, if I if I leave campus each day not being closer to Christ, then I did something wrong because it's there's too much happening around me that draws me to Him. Um, that if I miss that, that's that's on me. And and being in that kind of a work environment is just it's a dream come true. Yeah, that's awesome. Thank you yeah. so much. Yeah, this of course. Been great. Oh, thank you for having me. I just um, I, I am BYU Idaho's biggest fan. So <laughs> if anybody needs a little pep talk as to why they should come or stay. Um, Taylor117, come to my office and I'll, I'll chat with you. Love it. Talk to Brother Rockwood. There you go. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the BYU-Idaho Disciple Journeys podcast, a production of BYU-Idaho Radio. A special thanks to our guest, Chase Rockwood. Our theme music is by Sophia Pack and I'm Isabella Salazar. You can listen to more episodes on your favorite podcast app or find us online at byui.edu radio.